Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast here on episode 248. Hope you're having a great day. Hope summer is going well for you. If you're listening to this one, this comes out. If you're not, then you need to make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one of these episodes as they come out. They're coming to you every single week. We're coming up on 250 episodes, which is crazy. Can't believe that. But we've been having a good time and hope this has been beneficial and helpful to uh, many speakers in the world, just like yourself. We get a lot of speakers who ask, hey, Grant, how can we work together? Can we work with you in some way? Can you help us in uh, our speaking business? And uh, we would love to be able to do that. So uh, we'd love for you to schedule a call with us. Myself and our team, we'd love to chat with you to learn more about your speaking business, what you're working on, how we can best help you and serve you and support you. You can do that by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a one-on-one strategy session with our team. And there we, we can uh, learn more about your business, what you're working on, how we can help you and support you, and some of the different programs that we offer here at the Speaker Lab, individual and group coaching programs to help you build and grow your speaking business, to help you reach more people and make a bigger impact in the world. All right. So again, stop by, check that out over at thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right. So today we are going to be having uh, my co-host friend, Eric Ream back on the show. Eric is one of our coaches uh, and a very successful speaker uh, as well. And so today we're going to be talking about how to leverage your network to get speaking gigs. You may not realize it, but there is a lot of speaking opportunities that exist right in your own backyard. Now, not literally in your backyard, but in your own network, whether it's people that you went to school with or people that you go to church with or people that you've worked with before, neighbors, friends, colleagues, family. There are people who are connected to people who would be looking for a speaker like you. And so we're going to talk through today how you can leverage your network. Eric is very, very good at this. This is really how he's built his speaking business. And so we're going to talk through some very specific strategies about how you can do this in in your own business as well. So let's get right into it. All about how to leverage your network for speaking gigs. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Once again, uh, happy to have my co-host, Eric Ream, joining us today. Eric is uh, one of the coaches inside the Speaker Lab and inside some of our uh, our programs, also a, a BPS alum. So he went through our program several years ago, has been super successful, uh, actually just recently quit his job and is all in on speaking. So uh, Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, man. That, that sounds so good when I hear you say it, that I quit my job. <laughs> Isn't that everybody's dream? You know, just to walk in one day and say, you know what? I don't need to be here. I'm out of here. That's fantastic. I should have videoed it. That'd have been awesome. So, uh, so today we're going to be talking about how to leverage your network to get speaking gigs. And, and the reality is, is like the lifeblood of any speaking business is finding and booking new gigs. And so having that healthy pipeline of, of speaking gigs is every speaker's dream. But oftentimes that part is intimidating. It's difficult to know what to do or how to book gigs. Uh, and so today we're going to be talking about how you actually ex- can, can utilize your existing network 
network to find those gigs. And so uh, I know we generally hear from speakers who say, great, how do I get in with a bureau? How do I get with an agent? How do I just get someone who can go out and magically find bookings for us and we can just show up and speak and, and collect a check? But the reality is we both know that it just, it just doesn't work like that. That's right. And I think that's a, like this big mystical thing that you kind of get this aha moment like, you know what? I want to speak. This would be fantastic. And then you're like, well, how do I do that? Sure. And there's so many different paths you can take. And I think the network is one area that I think we often overlook. And I don't think people realize how many people they're actually connected with that could get them in front of an event planner, probably more than you would think. And so I think that's what we're going to unpack today. I think that the folks, our listeners will find helpful. Well, and I think that outside looking in, it seems like you have worked very, very diligently over the past several years to build your business. But what we're going to be covering here and just leveraging your own network has really been, a, it seems like a key catalyst in your growth and your speaking business. Has that been the case? Yeah, it, that's one of been my, been probably one of my unique signature things is I've built my entire speaking business on my network. So I haven't uh, had to do any cold calls. I'm not searching the web for looking for, you know, different ways to find gigs. I haven't had speaker bureaus and agents. I got agents now because I've got momentum, but before I didn't have any of that. So I just worked within my network. Part of that is because uh, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and I just watched my, my mom and dad do this. They're extreme efficient at networking. And so I just had them as a model and I just realized going into it that my network, network was going to be valuable. But I've also realized as I'm beginning to coach other speakers is that not a lot of folks understand that. And so I think this is going to be helpful as we walk through it. Awesome. So today we're going to explore this idea. We put together five different ideas to utilize your existing network uh, to get speaking gigs. So Eric, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick us off with the first one? Okay. So this is going to be a big surprise, Grant. You ready for this? It's going to be a big aha moment. Idea number one is mindset, right? So you're going to hear us talk about this a lot. Everything you do, you got to wrap your mind around it first, because if you don't get that right between your ears, nothing else matters. And how many of, of us have grappled with this, that limiting belief and the mental talks that we go through before we do anything. Everything starts with your mind. So you have people in your network that are involved with organizations that seek training and education. They need to hear your message. You just have to be willing to leverage an existing resource in, that you already have. These are people that you know, and you've got to get past that hurdle of reaching out to them and saying, you know what, I'm a speaker and I'd like to speak and I think you can help me. And can you connect me with, we'll talk more about this in a second, but have that mentality that can you connect me with the right people and be willing to reach out to people. Sometimes I think it's hard for people to talk to someone they know because that's even harder if you get rejected by that person that you know and you have a relationship with as opposed to getting rejected from a stranger. So sure. there is rejection sometimes when you build through your network, but you know that that's part of the process and you have to be willing to go through that process. So it's a mindset. Being willing to work through your network to find those people is key and having the mindset that I'm willing to do that is important. Well, it seems like part of the the challenge here and some of the like the mental roadblock is we think that if I'm going to leverage my network, I'm trying to look for people in my world who already book speakers, which typically for most people, that's not going, going to be the case, right? So if I think about my mom, for example, my mom does not hire speakers for anything as far as I know. She probably works with people who do or occasionally may come across someone who does, right? And so I think about, I can think about a couple of situations that I've had, I know you've had as well, of audience members who have come up and said, hey, that was really, really awesome. My mom helps hire speakers or my boss is looking for a speaker for something or my best friend we were just talking to about this and they are looking for a speaker for something like you just don't know who in your world is looking for 
looking for a speaker. So making sure that all like changing that mindset of they may not personally be booking speakers, but when you multiply out the number of people that they are connected with, that they might know someone who is booking a speaker or looking for a speaker, then it starts to open up a lot of opportunities of of what's possible. Well, let me ask you this, Grant. Do you remember the first time that someone asked you what you did and you actually said, I'm a professional speaker? Do you remember that? I can think of a few times early on when people thought of me as a speaker, which that like that really changes things. And that's that's ultimately the goal here is yeah. is when someone is looking for a speaker, and this isn't true with just speaking, but any type of service-based industry, uh, if someone in your world is looking for a realtor, if someone's looking for a doctor, if someone's looking for a mechanic, who do you think of? Who comes to mind? What you don't want to have happen, if you are the mechanic or you are the doctor, if you are the realtor, you don't want people to be like, oh, I didn't even know that you did that. I had no clue. Like you want everyone in your world that mm-hmm. when, when they come across anybody that's looking for a speaker, oh, you need to talk to my friend Grant. You need to talk to my friend Eric. You need to talk to my, my spouse, my son, my daughter, my, whoever it is that they think of you as that go-to person for speaking. Yeah. I remember uh, actually your good friend, Jeff Goins. I remember him saying that, that it was kind of an aha moment the first time he said, I'm an author. Right. And he actually said it before he actually felt it and he had to hear himself say it. And I remember actually the, per- I remember the first time I said it and I remember the guy that called me, it was my daughter's softball coach and his name was Michael. And I remember asking me, what do you do? And I said, I'm a professional speaker. And it sounded so foreign and weird <laughs> for me to say it, but I needed to get used to saying that. And it's so amazing when you actually start to say something, how then resources begin to show up, but they don't show up unless you have the mindset first. Here's the one I've often wanted to ask someone. Do you say professional speaker or public speaker? I'm just curious. What would you say? Uh, I think I go back and forth. Like even, and sometimes it depends on the context of who you're talking to, of how much context that they have, right? And so, yeah, sometimes professional, sometimes public. I I think I use them fairly interchangeably. Yeah. Uh, Well, I say professional speaker because it feels like it's got more gravitas to it. But then I thought, is that weird? Because no one ever says, I'm a professional plumber. I'm a professional doctor. I'm a professional dad. As opposed to a hobby doctor, right? (laughs) So I don't know. I I say professional speaker. But anyway, the point is, is that you got to get in the mindset when you're willing to actually say that to the world. Until you can do that, it's going to be tough to build your network and work through your network. Very true. All right, let's keep moving on. Idea number two. So first one was mindset. Number two is to get really, really clear and clarifying your market, clarifying your market. So you can better engage your network once you clarify your market and what it is that, who it is that you speak to and what's the problem that you solve for them. So this is a lot of what we cover, especially inside of our, our training programs, our book and paid to speak program, our elite program is really helping speakers get extremely clear on who they speak to and what they speak about. So let's go back uh, as an example for my mom. My mom works in the medical profession in the healthcare industry, right? So she doesn't, again, as far as I know, she doesn't book speakers for anything, but she's in the healthcare space. So if I was interested in speaking in the healthcare space, then there's a good chance that either she knows someone is a part of some committee or is a part of some association and is at least familiar with that space or with that world. And so uh, reaching out to anyone that I know that's in the healthcare space, it doesn't mean that they hire speakers, but it could just be, I'm going to go to a, my local doctor that I see once a year, just reaching out to them and asking them if they, you know, what conferences or what groups that they're a part of, what associations, what are the trainings that they have to attend on a regular basis? Just getting really, really clear, first of all, on your market and not putting out to the world like, hey, I'll speak to humans about anything. Like that is a horror horrible, horrible idea. In fact, we had a speaker that uh, reached out the other day. I don't remember exactly what he worded it, but he 
I asked, like, tell me more about who you speak to. And he said, my audience is 7 billion people, basically saying my audience is the world. And then you're just like, I saw that, actually. I think I saw that. Oh, no, that you don't say that. That's wrong. That's incorrect. That's the wrong answer, right? And granted, like we oftentimes assume that the more people we can speak to, the more audiences we can talk or the more topics we can talk about, the more opportunities that we have. And the truth is like that just doesn't work. So you want to get really, really clear who you speak to, what problem that you solve. And then you can start to reverse engineer and figure out who is in that space, who is in that world that maybe I'm aware of or familiar with or connected with that may know of some opportunities that may exist. Yeah. And then if you tell me that, like, let's say that you and I are just hanging out at a chamber event and you just ask me, what do you do? I'm a professional speaker. Oh yeah. Who do you speak to? And I tell you who I speak to, then that makes it easier for you to make the connection of how you can help me as opposed to the more broad I am, the harder it is for you to make the connection. Like if I say I work with adults and children, well, to me, then I'm, that's like so many different avenues. But if you say I work with high school kids, then he may say, you know what? I'm on the school board. Yep. You know, and then now you've made that connection. So I, that clarity thing's awesome. I think that's great. So I, I think that probably leads us then to idea number three, which is prioritize your network. So idea number one is mindset. Idea number two is clarify your market, but then prioritize your network. So even within your network, not all things are created equal. Hopefully the audience is getting a theme. Everything we do, you have to prioritize because we have such busy lives. When you actually are building your business, you have to have a priority. And so even when you're building your network, you just can't contact everybody. You only have a certain amount of time. So within your network grant, there's, I propose there's three priorities. The first one is these are people that might have direct connection to your market. So here's an example. This is a real world example. My chiropractor, I asked him, I said, where do you get your training? When you need to go to a conference, where do you go? I live in Indiana. He goes, well, I go to the uh, Indiana statewide annual chiropractic conference. And I said, okay, do you know anybody that, that works for the association? He goes, oh yeah, I'm really good buddies with so-and-so. I said, do you mind if I contact him and connect with him and use you as a referral that, hey, this guy's a speaker and you can vouch for me. He's no problem. And so he gave me that connection. So those are the, your first priority of people that have direct connections to conferences. And so that's within your market. So whatever your market is, once you get clarity on that, then go to those direct connections. The second priority are people that you can connect with that know people that have a connection. Okay. So in this example, the chiropractor, I might not know the chiropractor, but maybe I go to the massage therapist at the chiropractor's office. And as I'm getting you know, work done, I can ask him or her and say, Hey, do you, do you know um, the chiropractor? Does he go to any of these conferences that are in the area? Because well, I think he goes to one conference a year. It might be this annual thing in Indiana. I said, you, you mind introduce me to him? I'd like to chat with him about that. That's a secondary contact, but it gets me to where I want to go. Then the third priority are people that may know someone that can connect you with a priority two or priority one person, right? So let's, this might be a cousin that, that I know that I don't go to a chiropractor. I don't go to a massage therapist, but I know she does. And I say, which chiropractor do you go to? And she may tell me, I said, well, how can I get connected with that person? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm building my business. I'm working with chiropractors. I, I got this message. I just want to ask him some things. You, can you connect me with that person? And so, so she gets me that connection. So what I'm doing, Grant, is I'm looking at my entire network and I'm literally prioritizing them and asking them, asking myself, okay, this is a priority one. This is a priority two. This is a priority three. Now I've got 20 minutes. I'm going to focus on all my priority one people first and see what I, where I can take that. And that itself is probably going to take me to the next level. Then I can go to my second priority. Once I've exhausted that, then I go to my third priority. By that time, by the time you get to the third priority, I guarantee it, you've probably got some connections and you're on your way to get some event planners on the phone. 
as you're thinking about these, well, as you're thinking about these three different levels there, is there anything that you're doing where uh, like any exercises, like I'm thinking I I could, I could almost envision like either going through just the contacts on my phone Mm -hmm. one at a time and just thinking there or going through all my connections on Facebook or people that, you know, that, that may follow me on Twitter or Instagram. And some of it may be people I don't, I don't personally directly know, but maybe they're interested in what I do. And so looking to see, okay, if I wanted to speak to financial advisors, just scrolling through and I'm looking, I'm looking for anybody that has anything related to financial advisor in their, you know, in their bio and um, just making a list there. Do you have any thoughts there in just terms of like how you would approach that, those different levels of looking for those people? Or is it, is it much just again, sitting with a blank screen and, uh, or blank sheet of paper and kind of scribbling some ideas as uh, just brainstorming? Yeah, I think whatever works best for you. If you're a stubby pencil kind of person and you just need to write it down, that's great. I tend to be a spreadsheet kind of person. So I would just put it in a spreadsheet. And that financial advisor is a good example. I put If that's my target, then I would get on a spreadsheet. And like you said, I would say, okay, I'm looking for priority one people. These are financial planners. Who do I know? And I put them in there and I put, and I go through priority two and priority three. And I would just list all the people that I know. I would just dump it all in one location. And then I would just start going through and smiling and dialing and emailing folks and go one by one by one by one. And what's nice about that is once you've done that, then when I do have the 15 minutes, all I got to do is go to line one. And that takes away all the time that I waste trying to figure out what I'm going to do in that 15 minutes. So let's keep moving on here. Once you've got that list there, you got the, the prioritize your network. The fourth step, the fourth idea here is to then actually engage the network. So it's time to actually reach out to the, these people. Now, some of these are people that, that you have name recognition with. Some of them you have like personal comfort level with. So in this case, you don't want to send them a, a mass email, right? Like one of the things we, we talk with students about all the time is any human can tell the difference between an email that was sent specifically to them versus an email that was sent to them plus hundreds, if not thousands of other people. So this shotgun approach, this spray and pray mentality, this I'm just going to copy and paste and send to a whole bunch of people and hopefully something works out, like that just doesn't work. So a lot of this is to is to keep it personal. And so like you mentioned, you're starting with the first priority. You're going with the folks that you know best. And so you know Uncle Tom is he works for XYZ financial firm. And so you're going to start by reaching out to him and connecting with him and figuring out what conferences that he goes to or what events that he's a part of or what associations. And so those are the ones that maybe you're going to start with. So it could be an email, it could be a phone call, it could be a text message. You know, some of it depends on on your relationship with, with them. So if you were going to be reaching out to them, what would you typically say in that initial that initial contact the initial email. If let's say, again, let's go back with a financial advisor. I I have a friend who's a financial advisor and that's the extent of my knowledge of what they do. I have zero clue if they're actually involved in, in, in a committee or an organization or group. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, I I do have an uncle Tom and he happens to be my favorite uncle. So I loved your example there. (laughs) So I think first of all, it it depends on my relationship. If I have a really good relationship, I want to call them. If, If we're buddies, and we've you know gone to parties together. We know each other. I just want to call them or text them. If I don't have a personal relationship, then I'll email. And I just get right out to it. I don't know about you, but I respect it when people just tell me what they're yeah. looking for. And I, and I like bullet points. And so I just email them and say, hey, Tom, this is Eric. And I just want you to know I'm, I'm really working on my speaking business. I'm excited about it. I'm working with financial planners. I got some great talks I'd like to get out there. 
And I know that you go to professional events. I just wanted to pick your brain on maybe some ideas, any events that you'd recommend that I look into. I just start that way. And then the other thing I would do is I always try to get people on the phone because I think that's where the magic happens when you can talk to people. And by the way, financial planners, they're used to doing this because this is what they do, right? They have to prospect themselves. So they'll respect the fact that you want to talk to them and say, so I might say, you mind if I pick your brain and I love to chat with you for a few minutes. I got Monday at two open and I got Wednesday at one, which works best for you. I only need about 10 minutes of your time. And then I just want to get them on the phone and say, Hey, tell me some of these events and you know, what do you like about it? What kind of speakers do they have and who should I connect with? The goal is I'm trying to get them on the phone, especially first priority. If they're first priority people, these are people that's going to get me to an event planner. I want to get them on the phone and talk to them if I can. If I can't, then at least I want them to give me a referral to somebody that's going that I can talk to. That's a warm lead, meaning that Tom said, hey, this is my buddy, Eric. I know him really well. We play golf together quite a bit. He's working on his speaking business. I definitely think you should chat with him. I think he'd be good, good possibly good for your, your conference. That's much better than me cold emailing an event planner. At least I got a better shot. Right, right. And so it's just, it's, it's a matter of you reaching out to them, whether again, whether that's email or phone call or, or text or whatever it may be. And also keeping in mind, especially if you're wanting to speak in some type of professional services industry, that the person that you're reaching out to, you may feel like, well, I'm just reaching out to them because I need something from them, but they may also stand to gain something. So I'll give you a quick example. I mentioned on a previous episode that that I was interested in learning more about real estate investing. And so we recently purchased our first real estate investment property here in Nashville. And so I remember meeting with the agent and talking with the agent. I'd spent a lot of time as a guy I knew and we were talking through a couple of different properties and a couple of different scenarios. And, and I said, what's the win for you? Like he sells like, he, he buys and sells like big, big properties properties. And so I'm just kind of looking at some starter stuff to get, to try to get my feet wet. I was like, what's the win for you in this? And he said, he said, listen, if I help you and this works out and you're successful as this, you're going to come back to me and you're going to want to buy additional properties. And he said, if this works well for you, Grant, I know that you're a connected guy and that there's going to be other people who are interested to see how this little experiment plays out. And if this goes well for you, they're going to be interested. And so who are you going to send them to? You're probably going to send them to me. And so thinking about the people in your sphere of influence. So if I go to a financial advisor and I'm saying, hey, I'm interested in just better understanding your world and understanding any introductions or referrals that you could make, you may think, well, you know, that's just selfish. I, you know, it only benefits me. But the financial advisor also realizes if they're helpful, if they're beneficial to you, that you're going to think favorably of them, of whenever you need a financial advisor or when someone's looking for a financial advisor, that you're probably going to recommend them. Hey, I'm going to, you need to go see Carl because Carl was actually really, really helpful to me and really, really friendly. I gave him zero money for this transaction, but he was extremely helpful. So just as a nice person, I would, I'd recommend that you go talk to this financial advisor over there. So recognize that they have a lot to gain from it as well by just, by you giving them the opportunity to help you. That's a fantastic point. And that's what networking is all about. It's about leveraging your relationships in a positive, meaningful way. That's a win-win. Totally. And you talk about that a lot. That's that's something you always talk about me. What's a win for you that can also be a win for me. And if you approach it that way, then everybody wins, then why wouldn't they want to work with you? And so I think, and also if you do a good job and represent them well, then that's going to come back positively on them as well. So it's a win for everybody. I love that. So whenever um, you reach out to someone though, uh, the reality is, is a lot of people are busy and oftentimes mm-hmm. 
you won't hear back from someone, right? So how do you approach it if I've got some of those like level one people, I've got some people that I'm, I'm friends with, either it's, and even level one, there's a lot of categories of that, people that I'm, I'm super tight with, I talk on a regular basis, or people who are like, we went to high school together, it's been a minute since we've talked, we've talked two or three times since then in the past decade, but you know, I would call us friends. And so I don't want to annoy them. I don't want to be a pain to them, but I've sent them an email or I reached out. I haven't heard back. How long do you typically wait? What's the protocol that you typically follow to try to stay top of mind with someone without being annoying? Yeah. And I I think that's the key. And I think there's no science to this. And there's so many different opinions. If we brought in different professionals in this, we'd get different opinions on it. The main thing is don't be a pest. And how do you know if you're a pest? Think about if you were in that person's shoes, right? And how you'd want to be approached. And so for me, the way I approach it, if I'm just reaching within my network and I I send them a message and I don't hear back from them, I may follow up one more time and I may put something there. Hey, I don't want to bother you. If you ever think about, think of uh, someone I might want to connect with, I'd love to chat with them. You know, here's my website. Love to hear from you. And you never know. They may, the two months down the road, they may contact you, but I don't follow up like consistently five times and get them on the phone. You know, usually for me, one follow-up's enough and I'll move on because the way I look at it is my network's always growing. It's dynamic. I got so many people I can talk to. I don't want to hang on and be desperate with just one person. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree. A lot of it depends on the dynamic of the existing relationship that you have with them. But it also kind of depends on whenever you're reaching out. I think one thing that I would remind people of is that you you have no idea what's going on on the other end of whoever right. you're reaching out to. And what I mean by that is maybe they're on vacation and they didn't set up an autoresponder. Mm-hmm. They haven't replied to you, not because they're mean or not because they're ignoring you. They're just not checking email right now. Or maybe they legit didn't get your email. You know, like I think in this day and age, there's plenty of times where like most of the time, 95 plus percent of the time, the email comes through and the email arrives and lands in the, in the correct inbox. But there are certainly times where someone sends an email that like, I didn't get. And I like I know, like, and trust the person and I know that they sent it. I just didn't get it or vice versa. Or I mean, any number of other things. Maybe, you know, they had some family emergency and they're just, you know, disconnected for a little while from their email or whatever it may be. They're not ignoring you. They're not blowing you off. They just didn't see it. They didn't connect it. They didn't, an assistant or someone else caught it and they, they accidentally deleted it or whatever it may be. There's any number of things that could go on. So I think sometimes we just insert like these worst case scenarios of like, I sent them an email. It's been 24 hours. I haven't heard back. Oh crap, man. I really ticked them off. Didn't I? Like they're the, I really annoy them. I wish I wouldn't have done it. Like, no, that's not accurate. Like you don't know the full story. You don't know what's going on on the other end. And maybe they didn't see it. Maybe they haven't received it. There's other things too, where recognizing where people uh, are actively involved, meaning that uh, I know there's certain people I can think of that if I want to get a hold of them, that email doesn't work, but I can mm-hmm. catch them via text mm-hmm. or I can catch them, catch them via, via Facebook messenger or Instagram messages, right? Or whatever it may be. But I know there's also places that I personally, I don't check. And so people are like, do you get my messages? Like, that's just an inbox in my world of inboxes that I just don't check. And so mm-hmm. So also recognize that that person, what is the the inbox that that is easiest for you to dialogue with them or connect them? Sometimes for most people, it is email, but for other people, it may be some other medium or channel, especially as it relates to like those priority, those level one people that you could connect them via Facebook or you could right. connect with them via some other private messaging platform. 
I think when it comes to this idea, just remember the key word is engage, right? And I think if you're engaging properly, that one person is not going to matter in the big scheme of things. So if you're consistently doing this on a regular basis, it doesn't matter if one or two or three or even 10 people don't respond because you may have a hundred different connections you're working with and it only takes one. That's the thing to remember. It only takes one. And once you get that one, you're off and running. So I think that probably this leads us into the last one there, Grant, and that's idea number five, and that is follow up with gratitude. You know, at the end of the day, you're, this is the long game, right? And I'm, I know you've probably experienced this where maybe someone connected with you that maybe you met a while ago or you knew them and they're obviously burning through their list and they're calling you and they're trying to get you to buy something or whatever. You felt that before. You've been on the other end of that. And so just remember that this is a long game, that this is your network and it's got to be managed. It's got to be curated. It's got to be protected. And so whenever you do reach out to someone and they do provide you an intro, even if they don't provide you an intro, but if, if they do provide you an intro and it doesn't come up, nothing comes of it, you need to show gratitude even if nothing comes from it. So follow up with them and tell them thank you. Maybe even send them a, a gift card or like you were mentioned earlier, maybe refer them some business. So when someone comes to you and says, I need a financial planner, connect them with that person. But you definitely want to protect that network because it is a long game. So always show gratitude. If anyone is willing to take your call, they're willing to listen to you and they're willing to refer you, that's a big deal. And so you got to recognize that as a big deal. So never forget to show gratitude. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let's, uh, let's wrap up here with these. Let's just kind of summarize these five. So the first one was mindset, getting your head in the right place in terms of being able to leverage your network for speaking gigs. Uh, the second one was clarifying your market, getting really clear on who you speak to, what you speak about, prioritizing your network, thinking through those different, those three levels of people that are in your sphere of influence who may work with speakers or may be connected with events or organizations in some ways. Idea number four was engaging your network and actually beginning the process of reaching out to them. Them. And then the fifth one that Eric, you just mentioned was to follow up with gratitude. So whether something came of it, whether nothing came of it, of being grateful, of being appreciative and following up with people and letting them know that their contribution or their help or support really, really matters. So any final thoughts there? Anything we're missing? I would just say that as we close out, just remember your network is more valuable than you think. I'm living proof of it. I literally left my job this year. I'm a full-time speaker. I did it based off my network. So I think it's important and leverage it and use it to your advantage and go out and build a speaking business. It'll be a big part of it. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric Ream, all about leveraging your network. If you, again, like we mentioned, if you would like to uh, our help in helping you build and grow your speaking business, then you definitely want to step by and check out thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can uh, apply for a one-on-one strategy session with our team where we can talk through uh, some of the different options and opportunities that we have to work together and how we can help you build and grow your speaking business. So definitely check that out over at thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Thanks for hanging out with us, my friend. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.